Welcome to Say Hi to Your Pets, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. In this episode, I will be talking about past lives. How is everyone doing? Um, I'm doing something weird right now, which is I am standing up. It's the first time I think I'm trying to um, record the podcast standing up. It's very, it's a very dumb idea, um, especially since. You know, I didn't sleep well last night, and I woke up at 1 a.m. to go to work, worked one shift, and also I work tomorrow and tomorrow, tomorrow, working double shifts. So you would think, you would think that I would try to get some rest or at least record the podcast sitting down like most normal people, but I don't know what to tell you. Well... It doesn't matter. None of this matters. Um, I actually tried recording this the other day, and I just I didn't have the gas for it. I didn't have the energy, and I was in the middle of my intro, and I was like, "Folks, I don't know if I have my heart in this," so I stopped it, and then I I just canceled the episode. Um, I was trying, this podcast has a lot of fluff in the beginning, especially, especially since I don't really prepare and I was looking for like gaming news and movie news like I usually do. And I really wasn't finding anything. So there was like a lot of dead air and I, I got paranoid. Like I can't put this out. Not that any other episode is good or decent, but I don't know it. It wasn't a bad time, but at least I got to explain it to you all here. So for the most part, I'm going to uh, probably just talk about the movie because I don't have anything else to say. I don't have any fluff uh, to talk about. The f- Today I'm recording on February 9th, 2024. The demo for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is apparently out. And the day that it came out, or the day that I found out that it came out, I tried to download it, and it, I had it took some time to make space for it, first of all, on the hard drive. And then it took another many, many hours to download the demo. Yesterday, I didn't have time because I was so exhausted from work. And today I have time, but I'm recording this episode. Why? The world may never know. So hopefully I will have time to to jump into that, at least a little bit, dip into that. Like, I am excited, but I'm just... Like I've mentioned in previous episodes, my mental health is terrible right now. So it's, it's hard to get excited for it, even though it is a remake of my favorite game of all time. But hopefully once I hit, I play that demo, it'll ramp me up. Ramp me up? I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm just going to see Square and I still want to say Enix store. I want to see if they have a soundtrack out. I'm assuming I would have heard about it, but um, shop all music. Oh, shit. special edit it's 80 bucks oh I need it fuck I need it oh god I'm getting hives oh I need to get it should I pause the podcast now to get it oh shit I never have money I need to pause the podcast. One moment, folks. And we're back. The soundtrack, at least the special edit version, is coming out on in April 2024, which is just two months away. How very, very exciting. Um, you know, I think I've said it before, but my favorite part of the original game is the Midgar portion. 
So unfortunately, kind of sadly for me, I already got my favorite part of the game. So it it's just like life, it goes downhill from here, you know. But I'm 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 sure I'll get more excited for the game. Um Yeah. Also, it's it's weird that Square Enix they there's a disclaimer now that says that pre-orders are charged immediately. Which sucks because sometimes you can pre-order something six months in advance and what if you don't have money or what if you know what if you're saving up? It's like nope. If you want to reserve it and you gotta pay for it now, and I understand because when the time comes, maybe a bunch of orders will get canceled because people didn't have money, but I don't have money. And I never have money. And I wish they would charge it when it gets shipped. Like other places. Anyway, let's talk about the movie Past Lives. So if... I apologize in advance because I feel like there's a lot of things that I want to share about my life that are kind of weird parallels with this movie. And I mean, every episode of this podcast is pretty self-indulgent. So just forgive me in advance, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of it because I, I like talking to myself because I'm human and I'm an American male. So, Past Lives is a 2023 American romantic drama film written and directed by Celine Song. In her feature, I just bumped the mic. In her feature directorial debut, let's check out Celine Song because I'm not familiar with her. Born 1988 in South Korea, age 35, 36. So, we don't have the month or the date of her birthday on Wikipedia. That's weird. Among her plays are she's a Canadian Korean Canadian director, playwright, and screenwriter based in the US. Among her plays are Endlings and The Seagull on the Sims 4. That's sounds hilarious. I wonder what that's about. Her directorial debut, Past Lives, was nominated for several accolades, including Best Picture and Better Special. Did the 96th Academy Awards happen? No, they did not. Um March 10th, 2024. Um, maybe I can do an episode on the 96th Academy Awards. Will I? Maybe. I did on my last podcast. She's married to some dude named Justin Kuritsisisis. Um, so this is a heck of a directorial debut, I'll say that much. Um... So this movie, uh, if if you have not seen Past Lives, I highly recommend that you go seek it out. Um, I looked on Just Watch, and it said it was streaming on Paramount Plus, and we we don't have Paramount Plus. So I I text my brother. I said, "Hey, what's your login?" And he said they didn't renew it. So I did a free trial for Paramount Plus, and then I completely forgot about Paramount Plus, so my free trial is still going, but I haven't even checked to see what else they offer. Watched it with my wife, and here we are. So this is a weird thing. Like When I'm at work, when I'm at stupid, horrible, terrible, depressing, repetitive work, I can talk about this movie all the long, all the day long, all the live long day. Then when I get here in front of the mic, I freeze. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. But my wife and I watched the movie and we liked it. We both thought it was very entertaining, liked it. And I was like, that was a good movie. But it wasn't until like the next day when I was thinking about the movie and the movie hit me like a like like a train to Busan. Eh? Eh. Um this movie like sticks it sticks with you. It's stuck with me. 
actually the first I want to talk about the first time I heard about this movie was through of course Pat Walsh of We'll See You in Hell and he described the movie and he said it's really good and he said that everywhere he was reading and everyone was telling him that this movie's going to break you and he was like oh come on but then the movie broke him the movie didn't hit me or my wife in that way we did not cry i assumed he meant that he cried at the end of this movie but i did not my wife did not but we did think it was very good so let's just go through the plot a little bit let's start with the plot the well the movie opens in a kind of unusual way it's it's a similar trope that we see in movies where you see like a scene from the end of the movie and then they backtrack it and then builds up to that point so the opening scene of this movie is three people and and we we don't know exactly what i'm just going to say asian an asian man and an asian woman and a white man and there's three of them are sitting at the bar and two off-screen people are discussing like what do you think this situation is and then one of them's like oh i think the asian man and woman are a couple and the white dude is just a friend and they're like no i think the woman woman is married to the white dude and so they're trying to figure it out it's it's an interesting way to start the movie and then it flashes back 24 years and then it starts off with a boy and a girl classmates in a school na yang the girl and hey sung is the dude i apologize about the pronunciations i apologize so they like each other and they are children and um they you know there there's like there's some simple questions posed like the mom asks nayang who who do you like and then nayang's like i like haesung he's manly like i uh, and she's like do you want do you want to go on a date with him and then so the two respective moms take the two kids on a date and they hang out and they're you know i think they i don't remember if they're like holding hands or she like falls asleep on his shoulder or whatever but it's cute they're like two kids and then the mom well the parents decide to immigrate to the states and there's nothing really to say so there's this scene where she's walking away to her house and then hey sung goes hey na yang turns around and he just goes bye and then they go their separate ways then he she goes to the states with her family and it it flashes back 12 years into the future and you know 12 years into the states after being 12 years in korea like th- a lot of things change and um just to, i i want to say a little background about myself i'm filipino american and um so my parents were born and raised in the philippines and they got married in the philippines then they came to the states around 80s i want to say so they had my brother and me i was born in jersey but i grew up in california and i've been in california ever since i was 2 and now i am aged close to death and so i've identified with this movie because i kind of have this weird like identity crisis that i never really thought about or cared about until i got older but i joke with i was going to say friends but I don't have any friends. But I joke with some people who are like I grew up like a white boy. I feel like a white boy because I w- was born in the states and I grew up in Orange County, California in private Catholic school K through 12 surrounded by Asians, Mexicans, whites. Um there were 
I didn't have any black classmates in elementary school, strangely enough. I did in high school because I went to a a, a school that's that was big on sports, but I didn't play sports. I was in marching band. And so my wife, too, she was born and raised in the Philippines, and then she came to the States to marry me. That's when her life really turned around. She's She never experienced happiness before, and then she met me, and then that's how it goes. And so this this woman, this Nayang or Nora Moon, is it Nora Moon? She changed her name? Um, I don't remember. I, yeah, Nora Moon, I think. She had a different experience where she was born in Korea, had 12 years there. And, you know, that's where her childhood was. That's where a formative childhood age up through 12. But then she comes to the States. And I don't think in the movie she described herself as Korean-American. But there was that interesting conversation in the middle of the movie where she was talking to her. Well, we'll get to that later. I apologize. I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. So she's hanging out in her apartment in New York. And she's a writer. And um, she's talking to in Korean to her mom on the computer. And she's kind of just like Googling people, it seems like. And she's like, What's, what was the name of that boy I had a crush on? And they're both at the same time. Hey, Sung. So she looks him up randomly. And she re- finds she realizes that he sent a message on her father's movie business page saying something like I'm looking f- my name is Sung. I'm looking for Nayang my childhood friend and she's like oh that's interesting so she finds him on Facebook and then she adds him and then he's like all grown up too like 24 and he's like what the hell so then they connect, they message, and then eventually they video message and they reconnect. And at this point, it's it's very interesting because I feel like the way they are communicating with each other, the scenes play out very slow. And this movie is very, it's a very slow burn, but it's a very good slow burn. And, you know, the the thing that I took it from it is whether they realized what they were doing or not. Um, and I, I don't know if Celine Song was meant for this to be intentional, but I feel like that, that scene in particular where they're video chatting and talking to each other, it plays out really slow. And I, I just, upon thinking back on it, I'm like, I can't help but feel like they're both trying to just absorb each other in as as slowly and delicately as, as possible and just like like I, I want to take this in I want to take my time and you know neither of them are like oh my gosh like it's so good to see you it's it's not that type of thing not that type of energy they're both pretty calm and they're both like kind of like laughing like ah Hey, it's it's you from twelve years ago. I remember you, and um, I I saw a review calling this movie subtle, and this is it's the perfect word for this movie. But it's a subtle slow burn, and um, I just saw that um, Nayang's family emigrates to Toronto. I forgot about that, but she ends up in New York. So they connect, and um, I'll tell you one thing that's a little weird about the movie is I don't know if I would have compared this movie to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Not really. It's not that type of movie. It's not science fiction, none of that. But if you haven't seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, it's a it's a masterpiece. And it's... Um, 
you know, the whole point of that movie, spoiler alert, is basically they meet, they connect, they break up, they have a bad breakup, then they go to this place where she erases her memories of him and then he does it too. And then so they both have their memories erased, but somehow they find each other again. And so that's in that aspect, this movie is similar to that, but I might not have made the comparison. But she directly references the movie and he he it's shown that he's watching the movie. So it's a little on it's kind of on the nose reference in the movie. I thought that was a little strange. Um maybe he didn't have to be watching it, maybe she doesn't have to mention it, but it is an interesting kind of parallel there. So I guess they um it says on the Wikipedia page that they they can't visit each other um, due to various reasons, right? Like he says, I, I can't visit for another year because I have to go to to, to learn Mandarin, um, something like that, to China. And she's like, oh, she can't because um, she just can't. And so, I don't know, She she's like... I think we should stop talking for a while because I need to focus on my life here. And instead, I, I can't focus because I'm looking up flights to Seoul, Korea. And like I, I, I can't be distracted. I, I, I came here to... I'm here to build a life for myself and I need to see this through. And he's obviously upset, but he's like, okay... And then she says something like, this isn't goodbye. It's just kind of like uh, taking a break. It's like, okay. So they take a break and she goes to a writer's retreat in Montauk. And she meets Arthur Zadaransky and they fall in love. And Sung meets a woman and they begin to date according to Wikipedia. And this Wikipedia page is, the plot summary is so short. And I, I'm telling you, the the movie, like I've said 15 times before, it's a slow burn, but it's it's really good. It, it's, it's, it's tight AF. It is. Um, so all of a sudden... She she's hanging out with this white dude. <laughs> it's the only way to describe him. And then before you know it, twelve another twelve years pass, and they're married. My wife at this point exclaims, "She says, Ayokona, man, my accent sucks ass." She says, "Ayokona," which me in Tagalog means. I don't want it anymore, or I don't want to watch anymore. She was joking, but because the movie was building up this Korean girl and Korean guy, and my my wife's all about the K dramas, you know. So all, and then all of a sudden we meet this white dude for two seconds, and all of a sudden they're married. And I think that was intentional because. The director and writer, Celine Song, wanted us to fall in love with the Korean woman and the Korean man together and the idea of them together, I think. So this white dude comes in and they're automatically together and married. Another 12, uh, so the, another 12 years now, and now we're in the present day, quote unquote. And in the short scenes with the husband, we realize that they are in love. And he is a good man, an understanding man. And this is a weird thing in, in my life because I, I, relate to the, I related to the main character, Nora Moon, 
but I also related to the to Arthur because I am the least Filipino person in my family. If you, if you say, if you think of my mom, my dad, my wife, and myself, I am the least Filipino person. There is that scene where Nora Moon says, I have Korean friends, but they're not Korean Korean, they're Korean American. Which I really understood what she meant, because I'm Filipino, but I'm Filipino American, and I don't... I only speak Tagalog to my wife because my accent is embarrassing and it makes me want to die. I don't even speak it in front of my parents. Um, I, I've said to people before, my wife is like, she's legit Filipino, you know. She was born and raised over there and, uh, you know. And there's a Filipino thing where, I, because I look Filipino, and Filipinos come up to me and they're like, are you Filipino? And I always have like a wishy-washy answer. I go, yeah, kind of. I said that to my friend once and my friend was like, what do you mean? Your parents are both Filipino. I'm like, yeah, but I don't speak the language. Da, da, da. And my friend is half Filipino, half white. So his identity crisis is probably even deeper than mine. I keep rubbing my hands together. I, I wonder if that's picking up on the mic. I'm a dumbass. And, you know, there there's this, there's this conversation between the husband and wife where he's like, I, I can't, I can't beat this guy. I can't win against this guy. And he's not, like, depressed about it. He's just stating a fact. Like, I can't win against this guy. This guy has known you since you were kids, A. You both come from Korea, B. Um, you were born and raised in Korea. You have Korean parents. You've known each other longer. Childhood sweethearts. I can't win against this guy. You speak the same language at least you know half um you know there's been a version of this movie so many times but it's the rom-com version you know like i actually had um an ex-girlfriend i've had two korean ex-girlfriends i i don't know what that means but i i don't know why that was but it happened so one was Korean-American, one was Korean-Korean. And the Korean-Korean, she was a compulsive liar. But one of the things she told me is that she, in order for her to leave Korea to come to the States, she promised her father that she had to marry a Korean man. And I, to this day, I don't know if that's true. Because her sister, spoiler alert, married what appeared to be a white man, or at least a half-white man. So, did my ex have to make a promise that her sister did not? I don't know, and I'll never know, because I don't talk to them anymore. Um, but, you know, th there's the rom-com version of this, like like coming to the coming to America is like... You can't marry a commoner. You have to marry a princess or, or Aladdin. You you can't marry a, anyone. You have to marry a prince or, you have to marry an, an Indian wife or a Korean wife or 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 that's or who's coming to dinner and da 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 da. da. Guess who's coming to dinner and guess who? I think I just screamed into the mic. I apologize. And um. This movie, if if it was two notches in either direction, this would be like a rom-com, you know. But the way it plays out is really interesting and really well done and really grounded. And, like, they have that conversation together, the husband and wife, and he's like, are you attracted to him? Which is an interesting question, but he asks it very genuinely. 
And the rom-com version of that would be her going, no, no, of course not. But she, she answers very honestly. And she's like, I don't know. I don't think so. He's an attractive man, but I don't know if I'm attracted to him. And there's like an, kind of an awkward pause with the husband. And the the conversation that she has with her husband is like really interesting. And the the husband's like, you, you know, you you dream in Korean. She's like, what? And he's like, yeah, you, you dream in Korean. And I, I have no idea what you're saying. I think that's why I tried to learn Korean. She's like, why didn't you ever tell me that? And he's like, oh, I, I, I forget what he says, but um, it's so intimate and so interesting. And she tells him, like, I'm not going to run off with the dude. I, I love you. And then he goes, I know you love me. Sometimes I have a hard time believing it. And he, you, you could tell that he he desperately wants this part of her. Or he wants to be part of this part of her, but he can't be. It's like I joked around with my ex, like, what if I moved to Korea and lived there for 10 years and became a Korean citizen? Then could we get married? She's, I don't remember what she said. Who cares? It doesn't matter. So more story time about my wife and I. Here's why this 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 movie really hit home for me. And I, I didn't tell my wife about this. I don't know if she thought about it either. But um, I met my future wife in 2005. And she was just a girl who worked at a chicken shop. In the Philippines, there's these chicken shops where you see them roasting and then you go up to the cert, the you know worker and you're like, hi, can I get a half chicken chopped? And they're like, okay. And she worked at that place. And um, I, was, I was so shy. Like I, I, I didn't have the nerve to talk to her. She was 19. I was 20. So when I got back home, I told my cousin, hey, she's, she's cute. You should introduce me. I was joking. And my cousin took this as matter of fact. So she's like, all right, let's go back. And I thought she was joking. And she's like, she goes up to the girl and she's like, hey, I, ha I know someone who's interested. Can I get your number? And she's like, sure. So we got her number. And I was hiding behind like a pillar. Yeah. And, um... You know, things went from there, but that was 2005. So we, we hung out, you know, a couple times. Then I had to go back to, to the States because that's where my life was. And she lived in the Philippines and there was nothing we could do. So we weren't 12 years old, but we were 1920. And then, you know, she, she, we tried to stay in touch, but it, it was a lot more difficult back then, 2005. This is pre-Facebook. This is pre-anything. And, you know, it's not... Even, like, we couldn't email or anything. We couldn't text. It, it wasn't like how it is today. There's no instant messaging in 2005. So we, we grew apart. And she tried to stay in touch with my family, but we just grew apart. Then old Facebook comes around, around 2010, I want to say. So I happen to look her up. And she's, she has a boyfriend. And I'm like, this bitch. And let me tell you, because this moment was really impactful for me, because... I was I was in shock, even though I had like I had girlfriends too, but I don't know why it was such a <laughs> it was so <laughs> hypocritical. I guess um, I I was shocked to to look on Facebook and see that she had a boyfriend, and 
I remember I remember the f- for some reason I I got down to the floor and started doing push-ups. That was my instinct. I was like I got to bulk up to beat up this guy. I don't know. But do you remember that scene in Back to the Future where like she or Michael J Fox has that picture and his siblings keep disappearing and his hand starts to disappear and he's like, I have to get my mom and dad together or else I'll never exist. That's how I felt in that moment. I was like, and keep in mind, we were not boyfriend and girlfriend. We had this connection from before, but we we were never boyfriend and girlfriend. But when I found out she had a boyfriend on Facebook, I was like, what the? That's my That's my wife. What what is she doing with another dude? This is so weird. Like it was a bizarre feeling. And, and like I said we were not boyfriend girlfriend but I that was the feeling I had. That that's my future wife. What what is she doing with this dude? And then shortly after that you know, I think she broke things off with him not because of me, just because of other circumstances. And then, you know, a couple of years later, we we reconnect. And then the rest, as they say, is a history. Uh, anyway, we've, we've been married um, more than 10 years at this point. But back to the movie, I don't... I, I realize that story is stupid and pointless and it's no one's business. Not even mine. So... We are now in present day in the movie, and she's very honest with the husband. She's like, hey, you remember my friend from, like, 24 years ago, Hey Sung? And Arthur's like, yeah. She's like, well, he's, you know, he's coming over here. She's like, he's like, okay. So they hang out. And a lot of the, there's a lot of awkward moments, like, when the two of them go to Statue of Liberty and then and then the husband's like, oh, I've never been. And then Sung's like, you've never been? And then Nora's like, have we never really been to the Statue of Liberty? You, you understood what I meant back then. And there's these awkward moments because there is obviously a weird bond between these two people a weird connection even in front of him and they're not trying to hide anything and it's not that kind of movie and she's not two-timing or you know it's not that it's just that there's this undeniable thing between the two of them so so for me watching this movie it's a little weird because I connect I related to the connection between Nora Moon and Hei Sung but at the same time I related to Arthur as the outsider as the American So it is a little weird that I can like I can see a bunch of sides in this movie And again the white dude is not played off as the villainous boyfriend at all. He he is just... He loves Nora and Nora loves him. But again, there is this weird thing. It's an undeniable thing. And there is... There's nothing... I want to see that Inyan, but I can't... It's not going to be on the Wikipedia page, of course, but they talk about something in called Inyan, and I, I'm assuming it's a Korean word for something like fate, destiny, you know, like the thing that I got from it is like m- multiple dimensions, multiple lives, past lives, future lives. like destiny and fate and she uses it to like seduce Arthur she told him about it 
But then Sung mentions it to, to Arthur too. He's like, have you heard of Inyan? I, I think, unless I'm getting it wrong. And he's like, yeah, Nora told me about it when we first met. Now that I think of it, I wonder if Sung thought that Arthur wouldn't know what Inyan was. Like, like he's kind of lightly jabbing at him, like, hey, have you heard of Inyan, which is kind of like destiny in Korean? And then he was expecting Arthur to be like, no, I've never heard of it. But instead he says, yeah, Nora told me about it the first time we met. And then I wonder if Sung was like, hmm, wow, like, they really are in love with each other and belong together. Um... So, I want to get to the ending, because the ending's the most potent part of it. They return They return to Arthur and Nora's apartment. Sang invites them to visit him in South Korea and calls for an Uber. Nora waits with him, and the two exchange long, meaningful, meaningful looks at each other until the Uber arrives. Sung wonders whether they were at that moment experiencing a past life and Nora and asks Nora what their relationship will be in their next life. She says she does not know. Sung says, I'll see you then. He leaves in the car and she walks back to her apartment crying in Arthur's arms. <coughs> that is such a powerful moment. And obviously it's not explained and... This this is what I got from that last moment. So Nora is... Again, I, I know I'm being repetitive, but... Nora loves Arthur, and Arthur loves Nora. That That's undeniable. They're together, and they belong together. But there is this weird thing... Between the two of them, between Sung and Nora, it's this undeniable magnetic connection, and it's almost undefinable and undescribable, but I'm trying. It's almost like they could have been destined to be together, but they just it just didn't happen. That's what it feels like. And what I like about that last moment is that she starts crying, right? And she doesn't cry privately alone. She doesn't cry to her friends or her sister, who was never mentioned again after the beginning, or her mom or her dad. And she doesn't hide her tears. She cries directly into the arms of her husband because... She's probably thinking, like, I don't, I don't know what this is. Like, I love you, my husband, Arthur, but I can't deny this thing. And I'm not going to run off with this dude. He's, he's going back to Korea, to his own life. He's gone. And I'm going to live my life with you, and I'm happy with you. I love you. But maybe deep in her heart, she can't help but wonder, like, what if? What if I married this Korean dude from my childhood who I've been speaking on and off with for 24 years? And that's the powerful thing that Arthur knows it too. And Arthur knows that he can't win against him, but somehow he did, you know. And and that's the that's what I got from his conversation with her earlier. He's like, I know you love me, but sometimes I have a hard time believing it. And I know we love each other and we're happy together, but I I I, I acknowledge and he's not angry that she's crying. He just he knows that she feels it too. This this weird, uh, undeniable ma- magical connection with this dude um they they have a history together a past together and 
it, it's not even like an ex-boyfriend thing. It It's like a the dude who got away, the girl who got away, the the destiny that got away. I don't know. I want to rewatch it. Maybe not so soon. Um, I'm going to control F this 96th Academy Award and see how many nominations it got. Uh, it shows up six times. Um, three female directors saw their films receive Best Picture nominations. Greta Gerwig with Barbie, Song with Past Lives, and Triette with Anatomy of a Fall. Um, female pr producer Pamela Koffler and Christine Vachon, Past Lives. Best Picture nomination. Best Original Screenplay, Past Lives. It only got two nominations, which... I mean, it's fair. It's, it's, it's a heck of a directorial debut. I think she's working on a... on a rom-com next, which is interesting, but... I hope, she, I hope, I hope, it has to be like, because rom-coms are like so generic now. Um, materialists. It's not clickable on Wikipedia, so I don't know. Let me see. Material. It feels like she makes a different movie every time that she's going to be the kind of filmmaker who doesn't make the same movie twice. Um, well, I mean, she's made one movie, so I, that that quote doesn't make sense. Where am I at time-wise? I'm at the 47-minute mark. I think this is the first time I've really gone this deep in a movie before. I probably talked too much about myself. Uh, now I'm paranoid. Just... Erase it from your mind. Everything is fine. Move forward. I love the movie. Um, I feel like a movie like this is going to end up in the Criterion relatively soon. I I, I have no idea. Um, I, I, I just feel that that's going to be the case. It's not available on physical media but it is on Paramount Plus and you could probably do a free trial there's that there's that funny moment where he first comes into the apartment and there's like there's a brief moment where they look at each other and kind of size each other up not really but I'm assuming Arthur was thinking god damn this dude looks like a Korean model um, because, you know, he did ask that question, are you attracted to him? And he's probably thinking, like, God damn, I'm attracted to him. Um, the chemistry the, the two have, like, I, I don't know how they... She is... Greta Lee is excellent in the movie. Tao Yu is excellent in the movie. John Magaro is excellent in the movie. Um... It's very good. It's very good. I, I, I highly recommend this movie. Um, film. Uh, let's look at some reviews while I have about 10 minutes. Actually, I don't have to make this an hour, but whatever. 96% are positive of reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Average rating of 9.1 out of 10. Consensus. A remarkable debut for writer-director Celine Song, Past Live, uses the bonds between its sensitively sketched central characters to support trendant observations, trenchant observations on the human condition. The fuck does trenchant mean? Vigorous or incisive in expression or style. I, I'm going to forget what that means in about two seconds. 
Metacritic 94 out of 100 based on 51 critics indicating universal acclaim. Compared the film to French romantic cinema, complimenting its restraint in the presentation of its main themes, stating the movie's modesty, its intimacy, human scale, humble locations, and lack of visual oomph is one of its strengths. The characters live in homes that are pleasant yet ordinary, the kind that you can imagine hanging out in, the kind you want to hang out in. There are few big look-at-me details, though you might notice a poster for Celine and Julie go boating in father's home office in Seoul. Uh, Folsom, in his praise of the film, comparing it to those of Linklater, Baumbach, and Greta Gerwig, glorious date movie and a movie for every occasion too as ever with films like this this is an auxiliary pleasure in wondering how much of her own past song has used it's a must see daniel of the daniels praised the film saying it's remarkable it's the second time we've used the word remarkable in in the past 40 seconds the way Celine's song pushed past the story of picking Mr. Wright and the story of fighting to win the girl and somehow brought her audience to this painfully relatable heartbreak. On the other side of those stories, I am inspired by it and mystified by how the filmmaking team did it, but when I was lucky to see the Q&A and have some brunch with Celine, I saw how curious and thoughtful and passionate and charmingly bossy she was, and I was instantly convinced that this movie is no accident. It's a smart, confident, unique poem. Oh, boy. Because Celine is a smart, confident, and unique poet. Oh, boy. Filmmaker Christopher Nolan also praised the film and named it one of his favorites, describing it as subtle in a beautiful sort of way. Um, that's all I got. Go out and see it. Past lives. Um, thank you for listening. I, I, I hope you're okay. Please take care of yourselves and each other. And I hope to check out this Final Fantasy VII Rebirth demo. I am exhausted. My feet hurt. Uh, this was a terrible idea. Like I said, I got double shifts back-to-back tomorrow um, and tomorrow tomorrow. Thanks for listening and say hi to your pets for me.